So I went off script for the past two sermons and started talking about stuff that I wasn't supposed to talk about, which sort of indicated to me that maybe I should talk about it. And so um, I, I kind of grew up in the church. Anybody else grow up in the church? So, so some of you guys have that experience. Some of you are new to church, and that's amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I grew up, so I, I remember I was baptized in Greenville Church of Christ. I spent my elementary years there. We moved to McBride Church of Christ. Uh, I spent my middle and early senior high there. We moved to another city. It was at Vassburg Church of Christ, where I was really mentored heavily, decided to go into ministry. We, uh, I moved to Lansing, and there I was a youth minister at St. John's Church, uh, Christian Church in St. John's, Michigan. Then we were part of Delta Community Church. And then we moved down to Tennessee, where we were at Big Spring Church of Christ, and then we moved up to Grand Rapids to Plainfield Christian Church. And then we became here to Oakland Drive Christian Church. That's a lot of churches to keep. That wasn't bragging. That wasn't bragging. That was just to set up what I'm about to say to you this morning. That I've been a part of a lot of churches. And in every single one I've seen the same p- pattern. The same cycle. Over and over and over and over again. And I'm just heartbroken about it. And so uh, we're kind of deviating slightly because I want to talk about it this morning. I want to ask you all. I want to ask you all to do me a favor and to stop lying. You ask me, well, why or how do you know that I'm lying? Well, first of all, I've been in church long enough to know fakers when I see them. You can come to church and act like everything is okay. I know better. And so do most of the people around you. So there's really no reason to fake. We lie by not being honest when someone hurts us. And we don't tell them about it. But we sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's not there when, in fact, it is there. We lie by pretending that we have it all together when probably the most spiritual thing that you could do is stand up right now and say, I relapsed this week and I need a hug. We lie by not being fully honest with the help that we need and sending out sort of half-hearted, passive-aggressive signals and then getting really ticked off when no one picks up on it and gives you the calls that you want instead of just being straight up and saying, hey, listen, I'm lonely. Hey, listen, I'm hurting. Hey, listen, I'm broken. Hey, listen, I need somebody to spend time with me. I need help. We lie. We lie by letting other Christians get away with crappy behavior in our presence and not saying or doing anything about it because... We don't want the drama or because, well, that's just how they are. Or because we're just too chicken to say anything about it. We lie. We lie to ourselves. We lie to each other. And it creates fake Christians. And fake Christians is what is killing us. Because... If everyone walks around saying, I'm a Christian, and only 10% are actually serious about this thing, and everyone sees 
just Christian. It makes everyone who is serious about this thing look like everyone else. It steals opportunities for people who need to be confronted with their bad behavior to grow. It steals opportunities for us to ask deep questions about who we are and what we're doing in this world. It steals opportunities for us to sharpen each other and become better, to become what we were destined to be, what the scripture calls us to. This isn't a club. This isn't a worship service. This is a church. And a church is designed to do something very specific, very beautiful, very glorious. We read about it in Ephesians. I'll give you two particular passages here. Ephesians is such a beautiful book. It's talking about this this great thing that God has done in the world, that he has called these people out of darkness, and he has saved them by his own power and might, and he's given them grace, not based on their merit, but because God is just so generous. His love is so reckless. It's so giving. And he calls them together, and he gives them one faith, one Lord, one baptism. He gives this unity, this one spirit, this ontological connection of meaning. And he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell each other the truth the truth so that you can grow up into the head into christ guys if you're here because you're afraid of hell or want to go to heaven or because you just want to be saved or because you just like songs that's shallow and there's so much more that you were made for. You were made to grow into the image of the living God, into Jesus Christ. Grow up in every way into him. And every time we allow ourselves to lie to ourselves about who we are or to lie to one another about what's going on, we steal the opportunity to be this thing that God wants to give to the world. God wants to raise you up into his likeness so that he can hand you off to your jobs and to your schools and to your families and to your neighborhoods so that people can actually meet Jesus. He says, therefore, put away falsehood and let us speak the truth to his neighbors. And here it indicates the church, for we are members of, one of another. You belong to me. I belong to you. We belong together. We're going to spend eternity together. And right now, the God of all the universe has given us this tremendous mission to go and be a light. But are we light? In light. There's a proverb that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. And that sounds painful. Maybe you remember as kids or have kids, grandkids, who have growing pains. Emery's complaining about growing pains, feeling it in her legs. You know why? Because her bones are stretching. And her muscle is being pulled and her tendons are being pulled along with it. And it stinks, right? It hurts. But she wants to grow up. She wants to be a beautiful woman, I pray of God, making a beautiful difference in the world, being her own light in her own person, with her own personality. But that is going to mean a lot of pain along the way. 
Some of you experienced sports at some time and you, 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 you pushed your body to the limits. You forced it to do something it wasn't naturally equipped to do. And in fact, maybe you even learned to love the pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not because you're a psycho, but, but, but because you recognize that the pain you're going through now is going to equip you to be successful in this thing that you've... In fact, you probably had a coach who stood by you and said, no, you're doing it wrong. Stop being an idiot and do it the way I showed you. Right? And you needed that push. You needed that pull. You needed that person who, from spotting from the outside, can see where you're going wrong. Man, church, when do we do that? When do we do that? Because we have a glorious calling, we have a glorious destiny, we have a glorious mission, something God has set us up for. And instead of what I see in church after church after church is weak Christians who think they're strong. Weak Christians because I see them blow up at the drop of the hat. Weak Christians because when somebody asks them a question they're uncomfortable with, they lose their mind. Weak Christians because they're nipping and biting at one another. Weak Christians because they sweep those things under the rug. Weak Christians because they get mad and they jump to another church. Weak Christians. We gotta be better than that. Oakland Drive has to be better than that. And the only way we will ever become better than that is if we start Being honest. Some of you have confronted me over this past year. I've done a lot of soul searching this past year. and I've had some very uncomfortable and difficult conversations with a bunch of you about how I am a failure as a Christian. And I don't like you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I could not love those of you, and you probably know who you are. I could not love you more for the gift you have offered me. And I want to encourage, I want to beg you to begin offering that gift to one another. Hebrews says that scripture is a sword. It's double-edged. I don't know if you've ever been stabbed or not. (laughs) Hopefully not. But a knife goes in, a sword goes in, and it divides flesh. It breaks the skin, and it divides all the way through tissue and muscle and down and smacks the bone, all the way down to the spirit. Way to sell the Bible, right? That's what Scripture is supposed to do to us. It's supposed to cut us. And one of the things that I've learned over this past year is I have learned that I am terrible, simply terrible at narrating my own story. Narrating my own behavior. I will say things that to me seem like innocuous, harmless, because they're coming from my perception, right? And other people say, wow, that was a really jerky thing to do or say. But I didn't see it that way. I didn't know it. I am awful at narrating my own story. Because if you've ever thought about this, you actually don't know how the world is. You don't know the real world. You only know the world that you know. You perceive the world through your own experiences and thoughts. And there is something that I have learned. I have learned that almost everyone perceives the world differently than me. And what I've also learned is that almost no one will tell me that. And what I've also learned is that we really need to tell each other that. Because God wants to make us agents which I really like because there's a little kid in me that still wants to be a secret agent, right? Somebody resonate with that? Yeah, thank you, Mark. 
God wants to make you an agent. That's like in the Bible, I'm not even pulling that out of the hat. Like God wants to make you an agent of reconciliation. God's agent in the world who is there to make peace, to bring people to know God and to bring people together. How can he do that if you're so broken? If you're so full of anger or malice? If you're blind to your... In fact, in fact that, that's one of the things that, that we could say. What's the issue? The issue is that we lie to ourselves. We often think that we are better than we are. We often think that we're worse than we are. We often uh, blow up over the smallest things and yet let the biggest things just kind of roll on and keep it quiet. I, I find that we do a lot of strange things. There's a funny story. Uh, you might know this story actually already, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, there was a, a famous um, newspaper in, in England was putting out asking all these great thinkers What's wrong with the world? So all these great thinkers were writing in their essays, these, these long, well-thought-out arguments and essays about what is wrong with the world. And G.K. Chesterton very famously writes in two words, I am. It would be a great gift to your own soul to ask the question, where am I an agent of suffering in the world? What am I blind to? What am I missing? What am I forgetting? Jesus does this because he's a, you you know, Jesus is a nice, fluffy, friendly guy, kind of hippie, long hair, friends with everyone, just wants everyone to get along, shake hands, be nice. That's Jesus' message, be nice. He says to the Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Scribes is kind of a way of saying academics, scholars. Pharisees are kind of like preachers, teachers, elders, deacons, leaders, People who are, who are uh, movers and shakers at the time. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, men to dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the, the, the others. You are blind guides. You strain out the gnat and you swallow the camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First clean the the inside of the cup, and then, then the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but are within full of dead people's bones and all manner of uncleanness. So you appear outwardly righteous to others, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Do you think the Pharisees agreed with him? You know, in fact, there's a lot we could talk about here, but I want you to notice a couple of times how Jesus says things like, you are blind. You are blind. You can't even see. You're so broken. Your understanding of who God is is so broken, you can't even see that you're missing these things that are the things that God cares about the most. Jesus uh, puts it another way, another place. On that day, here he's speaking of the day of judgment. There are going to be people, and you've, you've heard me talk about this before, and you might know it as well if you've been here for a while, but there are people who are going to say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast demons out in your name? Didn't we do mighty works that is miracles in your name? And Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness, which tells us something really important. 
that a church that is dr- driven by truth, I sort of learned that my whole life. It was, we're, we're all about truth, telling the truth, and doing the truth, things like that. But I have ne- never really understood this and never heard this preached, that it is better to be merciful. And mercy, according to Jesus, is a better metric than miracles. Imagine that on the day of judgment, you say, well, Jesus, we lifted up dead people in your name. We Benny hinned them with a coat, and bam, they're up. And Jesus said, where was your mercy? The wise person will step back and say, is it me, Lord? Is it me? If I look at your life this week, if, 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 if you look at my life this week, if we put our lives together under a microscope, would we actually see mercy? And my guess is that we probably wouldn't. But that microscope is such a beautiful thing because if that's true of all of us, then it doesn't matter if I'm the failure in the room, right? And we can put our lives under that microscope and we can say, man, this is where I messed up this week. And you can say, man, this is where I messed up this week. And by working together, we can begin to grow into this thing that God wants to give to the world, this agent, this gift, this... And so we have a problem, right? The problem is that we lie to ourselves, The solution is we need to get to know the real us. You need to dig in and actually spend some time getting to know who you are, how you see the world, and you need to ask tough questions. You need to ask a question. The problem with having everything figured out is you stop asking questions. And so if you have everything figured out, then we can't do anything anymore. We're done. You're you're perfect. Put a pin in it. But if you're in process like I am in process, then we have to ask questions like, why did I get so mad at that? Why did my gut reaction or why did my head go to that place or why did my emotions immediately take control? Why did I respond like that? Why why is it that that person reacted to me in this way instead of always being the victim, always being the person who says, "Well, well, they did this. Well, yeah, they probably did, but what? What started it, right? Like, where did it come? Like, how did, we, how did we participate in the conflicts? How do we participate in the brokenness? What part do I have in it? And I don't mean right now when we're feeling semi-pious because we sang some great songs and, and took communion. I mean tomorrow when the kids will not cooperate. <laughs> when you don't want to go to work or when you run into that person you don't really like, what, like what do we do in those moments where it's hard? Jesus on the cross, looking at those who crucified him, who beat him, who mocked him, who stripped him naked, unjustly says, what? Father, forgive them because they're so blind, they think they're doing what's right. The people who wound us think they're doing what's right. The difficult task of being somebody who says we follow a crucified Lord, the difficult task of being people who are told to take up our own cross and follow him, says sometimes we too will be crucified. And from that cross, you must have the heart to say, Father, forgive them. What breaks me the most is, however, that we lie to each other. 
And this I've witnessed as much if not more. I've done as much if not more. Because again, we don't want to confront one another because it's uncomfortable and we don't like it. But God has given us this great gift in drawing a bunch of people together who have one heart, one spirit, who share one baptism, who share one faith, who share one Lord, who share all of these things that are the deepest things that one can share. And he draws them together and he says, now pursue me. Now pursue me. Grow up into all that I have shown you. Grow up into this thing. And you just cannot do it alone. Because it's too easy to lie to ourselves. And so we need the church to step in and to, and to confront us. Like if you, know, if you know that somebody is struggling in an area or you know that someone is blind to something. And you know that that because all of our decisions and all that we do weighs on our souls eternally. You know that the thing that matters most is our connection to one another and God. How much do you have to hate me to not say, Jordan, you're messed up here. Like we, we have to have those kinds of conversations and what we do is we need to confront each other and then we need to comfort one another. That's what you need, right? You discipline your child and then you leave them out in the cold. No, what do you do? You correct and you hug. Y'all do a lot of hugging. I love it. Because we're not all okay. Like you came here today because you know you're not okay. I came here today because I know I'm not okay. And, and, and I want to be clear about this. I'm not, I'm not encouraging you or asking you to like channel your inner Frank Costanza and start like blowing up at everybody you know, right? I'm not, if that is your impulse, if you're, if, for, if, if, if as I'm preaching this immediately, you go, well, I know what's wrong with him. You probably ought not talk to him. You ought to let the, him talk to you and ask him or her, where, where am I erring? How can I grow? What have you learned? I mean, all, many of you are older than me in this room, which means you've been in the faith far longer than me. You have something to tell me about how to be a better Christian, and I need to hear it. I, I don't have time to waste. I might be dead tomorrow, right? I, I've got stuff that needs to be fixed now. Like, let's get at this thing. Let's get at this thing. Nothing else matters like this matters nothing else has weight like this has weight i uh i'm my mind is cast back to this moment in fact this came to me this morning i was uh i i had forgotten about this been i hadn't thought about this in years and years and laura and i had been married for she's not in here that's good all right good (laughs) i'm just kidding uh we've been married for maybe a year and some change and uh, uh, it's a, it, was a, it was a bit of a rough first couple years. That's okay, right? That's normal. Um, and we had this friend. He and I were very close. We would do book runs. We're big nerds together. Um, and his name was Tim. And I will never forget the day that Tim calls me up and he says, hey, can I come over? And that's not unusual. We hung out all the time. It was fine. Um, and he came over, and I remember, I, him, like this morning, it was like, like hit me, like I remember everything about this moment. He was sitting on the couch with me, and he goes, listen, I, I talked with my wife, and um, we talked about this for a while, and I've been praying about it, and I just, I need to tell you something. And I was like, well, what? He says, I don't think you treat Laura very well. 
And then I was like, you want to fight? No. <laughs> we had built a kind of love that I took that very seriously. And I said to myself, I, well, I, I was, I mean, I don't remember all the details of the conversation. You'll have to ask Laura about that because she would probably remember. She's more detail-oriented than me. But I, I, I remember that conversation and, uh, and, and us kind of talking about this. And me asking Laura after Tim left and Laura came home because it was a private conversation, very Matthew 18, right? You all know your Bibles. Um, I, I, I asked Laura, I was like, you know, Tim came over and he talked. What do you think? And I don't know if she lied to me um, or if she was truly blind to it. But she said, no, no. But looking back on it, he is 100% right. I treated my wife like garbage for the first two years. And I was so broken, I was blind to it. And it was years of pressing through on that. But I tell you what, that conversation with Tim was a catalyst of self-reflection. And at that moment, I had been a Christian for, I don't know, 12, 15 years, however long it had been. I'd been a part of several churches, and that is the first time anyone had ever confronted me about my behavior. I wish somebody had done it day one. Laura could have been spared a whole lot of pain and suffering. Like, she could have been spared a lot. That requires some intimacy. It requires us spending some time together. It requires us getting to know one another. It requires a vulnerability. It requires, most especially, that you actually have a passion to grow up into the fullness that is Jesus Christ, and you actually recognize that you will absolutely never do that on your own. And a commitment to one another to love and to forgive and to care enough about one another that we are desperate not only for our own spiritual maturity and growth, but that I am desperate that you have maturity and growth. And that you care that I have maturity and growth. And we stop lying to ourselves and to each other. And we start telling the truth. So those of you uh, left brain thinkers. The problem is that we're lying to each other. The solution is we need to tell the truth with one another. And the process is we need to ask hard questions of one another. I'm going to pick on Ben because my eyes landed on him first. And I don't have anything bad to say about him, <laughs> so it's safe. You know, Ben, I saw you do this. Why'd you do that? Or I heard you say that. Why'd you say that? Or, you know, that interaction, like, well, what, what drove that interaction? Or well, why, are you, why are you coming at me? Like, why, well, whatever it is that you see that we begin to ask those questions, not demands, not forcing other people to believe what we believe, but asking questions so that we can have conversations because it's through conversations that we will actually get to sharpening one another coming to new insights and vistas new beautiful opportunities for us to stretch and to grow in the most painful and beautiful way so that people will look at me next year and say man i see this person who is the most loving person i've ever met because that's not true of me now (laughs) I see this person who's the most forgiving person I've ever met, and I don't think that's true of me now, who's gentler than anyone I've ever met, who's kinder than everyone I've ever... Like, that's the fruit of the Spirit that's supposedly blossoming and coming out of us. Look at your life and ask the question, is this true of me? Because if it's not, dig deep. Like, the day's not over with. 
The glory of the gospel is that every time you hear a new word from the Lord, every time the scriptures open up and they cut you, you have the chance to become what you are made to be. You have the chance to grow up into the fullness of Jesus. And that's awesome. This isn't bad news. Finding out you're weak in an area is not bad news. That's good news. That means that the Spirit loves you enough to expose an area, and your brothers and sisters love you enough to expose an area, and you have the chance to do the most beautiful, painful, and glorious thing. Grow. Grow. I want to leave you with this this passage uh, from Zechariah. To me, this is a a vision. Um, it's It's a gorgeous vision. So as the band comes up, we'll... We'll uh, close here. This is Zechariah thousands of years ago having a vision of what is to come. And I think, I think part of what I, I hope for all of us is that we can catch a glimmer, a glimpse of this world that God is going to bring into existence. And that it fires our imaginations to such an extent that we would say something like, yeah, go ahead, tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, this is, he's speaking for the Lord here, and he says, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and work for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath, for all of these things I hate, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, The last of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth month and the fast of the seventh month and the fast of the tenth month shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Let me pause there for a second because that was a lot of details that sounded super boring, but it's not. It's really cool. All right. They're fasting like four times. Like everybody's getting together and they're not eating. That sounds awful. Right. When's the last time you did that? We don't do that in church, right? Because we got a better perspective than that. We know that joy has come. We know that forgiveness has come. We know that God is working. And what does Jeremiah or Zechariah say here? He says, you know, all these days you're denying and repenting and and, and calling out to God. He says, these are going to switch. No more repentance, no more brokenness, no more sadness. But now these are going to be turned into feasts. You're going to have thanksgiving on the fourth month, thanksgiving on the fifth month, thanksgiving on the seventh month, thanksgiving on the eighth or the tenth month, like all this time. Therefore, he says, because of this, because of the joy, because of all that God is going to do, love truth, love peace. People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of cities from far away. Inhabitants of the city will go to one another and they will say to one another, let us go up and entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I'm going, come with me. Many peoples from all kinds of nations all over the world shall come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, love truth and love peace. May we be that people. May we tell each other the truth. Let's stand and sing this last song.